0: Yeah, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to find them. You should be over in 2 Corinthians 10. Get out your notes. Uh, we're going to jump in and have a conversation this morning. I hope it's going to kind of help us all in kind of what's going on in the world. It's kind of a setup uh, perfectly what we planned weeks ago, just how God works, how God's providence really works in, in powerful ways. So we are talking again about mindset. We're in the third week where we're talking about the power of our thoughts. Uh, We're talking about the power of our minds. Uh, Boy, we're seeing this more than ever. Uh, We know what comes into our mind comes out of our life. Uh, My thoughts, my thoughts really matter. I I cannot have a positive life if I have a negative mind. Uh, If I can't control what I think, please hear this, church, If I can't control what I think, I'll have a hard time controlling what I do. I'll have a hard time controlling how I behave. I'll have a hard time controlling how I treat other people. Now, we've been studying the mind and the teachings of this man called the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul had this great understanding of the mind and how it impacts every aspect of our being. So this is kind of our go-to uh, chapter here in the third week of this message series called Mindset. And we're going to br- begin reading again. We're going to read this again from verse 3 of chapter 10, 2 Corinthians. It goes like this. For though we live in the world, uh, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, these weapons have divine power. Uh, They have supernatural power. They have holy power. They have heavenly power to demolish strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? It's something that's got a hold of your mind that's not true that cause you to act or behave or to even experience life in a way that is not true, what God says about you or about this world. So what do we do? Verse 5, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Here it comes. And we take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. Now, why? Why? Uh, Did the Apostle Paul spend so much time in his writings and talking about the power of the mind? Now, we learned this in week one, this principle. My life, your life, is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let me say it again. If you're new, just catching up with us. This is kind of the foundational principle. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, in weeks two and three, uh, weeks one and two of this message series, we introduce something called neural pathways. We're talking about the mind. Uh, We know, we've learned a lot about the brain, that your brain is not fixed. Uh, The brain is ever-evolving, ever-growing, that your mind, your brain is like a powerful computer that's constantly rewiring itself with every. that comes into your mind. It's creating a neural pathway. Think about it like this. You think a thought. You think a thought. When you think that thought, it becomes easier to think it again. So your thought, your thought, you're you're walking through this big old field of tall grass. There's no clear path. You walk through, through the green field, and it kind of p- pats down uh, the grass a little bit. You come back a second time and a third time, the path gets down even harder. Eventually, you put a dirt road in there, right? Eventually, it becomes a gravel road. Eventually, it becomes a blacktop road. Eventually, maybe even a superhighway all the way through. And every time it gets easier to travel, every time you think a thought— that thought gets easier and easier and easier to travel and to think. Neural pathway, a neural highway for some of our thoughts. Now, if you're thinking good thoughts, if you're thinking grace-filled, true thoughts, uh, that's an amazing good thing. But if you're not, if you're thinking thoughts that are not true, if you're stuck in a thinking that is not accurate It causes all sorts of decision and chaos within our soul, but also in the relationships around us. We are seeing that right now in our country. We're seeing that in our relationships with each other, uh, among each other. Now, in this series, what we're doing, we're doing what the Apostle Paul says, says by we are renewing our mind. That's what we're doing. So, this morning, I want to kind of add to our understanding and knowledge of the brain and what it looks like to renew our mind. So, I want to add something to your vocabulary there. It's called, in your notes, a cognitive bias. Now, now what is a cognitive bias? In your notes, it is a mistake in reasoning based on personal preference or beliefs. It's a mistake, a cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on a personal preference. It's based on, on a life experience. It, it is a mental filter. It's a mental filter through which you experience something, you process it, and come to the conclusion that is true, even though it may not be true. A cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning about a life experience that you think is absolutely true, but it's skewed. Your vision is skewed. Uh, For example, uh, years ago, uh, I had cataracts. I got them way too young, I might add. Uh, The doctor said because I did too much physical activity outside without wearing a cap, the sun rays kind of made the lens hard, so I had cataracts. And so we're going to take them out one at a time. And so I had the cataract taken out. And if you've ever had this done, you know you leave with this big old blue thing or something over your eye, all taped up so you can't see. And then you go back to have it removed. So, on my first cataract being removed, Dallas goes with me uh, to have the the shield removed and to open it up, and uh, they do it inside the building, and it's all great and wonderful, and they say, when you go out to your car, cover up your eye, get in your car, let your eye adjust after you get in the car to the sunlight. So, we get in the car, I kind of sit there for a second, kind of take my my hand over my now unprotected eye, and man, uh, we start driving, and boy... That was amazing. Do you know how blue the sky is? I mean, it's actually a beautiful blue. And colors were so vivid, I just couldn't believe it. And I looked over at my wife, Dallas, and I thought, wow, uh, she is more beautiful than I realized. I mean, my gosh, how did I get so lucky? And so I pushed a foot down on the gas pedal to get home as quickly as I could, and what happens next is none of your business. Now, what am I trying to say? All I'm saying is, is that because I had these cataracts, I had a filter that skewed the reality or the clarity of what was right in front of me. We all have these mental filters. We have these mental biases. We have these mental cataracts that skew our vision of what's going on in life. Uh, We all have something I want to call a default filter. A default filter is what I go to when a situation is difficult like right now in our world when things are so complicated when things don't seem simply to resolve and to understand what's going on because of my own personal life experiences and my life my beliefs that I go to a default filter it's just kind of automatic we all do it and what's interesting that's why two different people can see the exact same situation and see something completely and totally different because of the default filter they have in their mind. The facts are the same, but the filter is different, such as uh, you're in the workplace And the boss shows up, and the boss, it's review time. And the boss is going to sit down and give some feedback to two different employees. They're going to get the same content and the same tone. Sit down with one, and they give them the feedback. And that person goes, why? I can't believe she said that to me. She doesn't understand how hard I work. She doesn't appreciate me. I think I'm going to give her a little feedback. Let's see how she feels. Then you got somebody else. Same feedback, same tone, and they go, man, thank you for telling me that. Uh, I'm so glad that you shared that with me. I can tell you care for me. You want me to get better. Uh, What's happened? Same facts, different filters completely changes the entire situation. Uh, We have people, let's go ahead and say it. We have people here of all different sorts of colors in the world. Uh, You wake up in the morning, you go out in the way, and you see someone of color. Somebody looks at this person, the very same person you see, someone that's a friend, uh, someone you want to uh, get to know, someone can contribute a lot to life, somebody else sees a threat, somebody else sees uh, something, someone who's not a value to ignore. What, what, what's the deal? The facts are the same, but it's the filter that is different. Uh, some of you were raised in a home, you were taught uh, that all Christians are hypocrites, so, uh, when you walk into a church, or you first walk into a church, or maybe you're here right now and you're worshiping with us online, and you're thinking, I might want to come to worship in this place called Pathway when the reopen, but you're thinking, oh, my, my parents taught me all Christians are hypocrites. Now, because of that, you're going to come into the church and you're going to have a bad experience because you've already predetermined in your mind that all these folks are hypocrites and that's the experience that you're going to have. Now, some of you were raised in a home uh, where, where God is good and God is graceful and people aren't perfect, so I'm going to go into a place and you have a totally different experience because you're, ex- you're looking for the goodness of God even if though you know all these people that are imperfect. Uh, there are some of you, in fact, whether you like it or not, uh, your experience of God has a lot to do with the experience with your earthly father. If you had an earthly father, who was angry, who was abusive, who was absent, who was not involved in your life. You have all of that stuff in your head. These, you're going to filter God, have a hard time seeing God as being someone who is loving, someone who is caring, someone who is involved and wants to participate in your life. But if you were raised in a home where your father was present, listen to this, young dads. Uh, where well, your father was understanding, where well, your father was patient and caring, you're gonna have a belief and understanding that your heavenly father is the exact same way. It's not the facts that are different, it's the filter that is different. The filter is different. So let's talk about, I wanna add, add another term here to you, we're gonna add to uh, a, a discipline. I gave you a couple of weeks ago a discipline. Last week was Senior Sunday, the week before that, a discipline of meditating on God's truth. I want to share with you another discipline I added into my life years ago that's helped me to have a stronger mindset. And it's right there in your nose. It's called reframing. Reframing. Now let me kind of give you a definition best I can of what reframing is. Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation. Well, this is perfect timing. <laughs> a situation, person, or relationship by changing its meaning. Let me repeat that. A reframing is creating a different way of looking at something, a situation, a person, or relationship by giving it a different meaning. So, There was a little boy who loved baseball, just like myself. He loved baseball. And he went around saying, I am the greatest hitter that ever lived in in the whole history of the game. No one can hit as great. I'm the best ever. I'm the best. So he's in his backyard. He has the ball and he has the bat. He throws up the ball, swings the bat, misses strike one, no problem, everybody even the greatest hitter misses every once while i'm still the greatest hitter that ever lived throws the ball up swings again strike two no problem i'm still the greatest hitter that the world has ever known throws the ball up swings again whiffs it again oh my gosh How did I know? Not only am I the greatest hitter that ever lived, I'm the greatest pitcher that ever lived because I struck out the greatest hitter in the history of the world. Uh, What's he doing there? He is reframing. He is reframing an experience, reframing a situation to give it a different meaning. Now, I want to give you uh, two nerdy sort of terms here, another way to think about this, this situation. I think we're going to put it on the screen. Uh, it is, uh, what are we, can you put it on the screen for me? Yeah, perceptual accentuation, I can hardly even say that one, and cognitive restructuring. Now, another way to think about that, and just make it pretty simple, is to change my stinking thinking. That's another way to I'm going to change. I'm actively going to change my stinking thinking. I'm going to reframe it. Now, let me kind of give you a way of looking at this. You wake up in the morning and you have a decision to make. What kind of day is today going to be? Is today going to be a good day? Is today going to be a terrible day? Is it going to be an awful sort of day? I hate those poor people kind of day. I don't want to be around those people. I don't, or all those people are bad. Or it's going to be a good day. I'm going to make this a good day. It depends on how you frame it. It depends on the filter. Let me show you this right here. Look at this photo right here. Look at this image right here. This right here, this right here is the possibility of your day. Uh, you wake up in the morning. Let me get over here on this other side. Uh, you wake up here in the morning. And you're going to go, you put your frame, you go, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a stormy day. This is going to be a dark day. Oh, I can't handle this, all this storm, all these turbulence, all these people right here, they're awful. I can't stand them. Oh, my, my, my. Or you can go over here and you say, oh, my goodness, today is going to be a good day. God is good. God is working. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. In it. Or, Oh, this is going to be a bad day. Oh, I cannot believe all this bad stuff has happened. Oh, all things work for the good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to His. His purpose. What am I doing? I'm reframing it. I'm changing the filter, right, to, to, to give a new meaning to a different experience that is true, but I'm changing my filter. Here's number three in your notes. I want you to write it down. This is so true. I cannot always control everything that happens to me, but I can't control how I reframe it. Let me say it again. I cannot control everything that happens to me, but I can control how I reframe it. Now, the Apostle Paul, we're going to do in Philippians chapter 1. He is the master of reframing. I mean, he, he, he is the master. Uh, the Apostle Paul had this dream and this vision of going to Rome to share the good news of Jesus. Because if he thought if he could get to Rome and strategically connect with leaders of influence that across the known world at that time, the whole world would come to know about the love and grace of Jesus. So I can picture Paul praying, God, I just pray, God, that I can get to Rome. Uh, Well, Paul gets to Rome, uh, but he he gets there by a little different means, not as a teacher, but he's in prison. Uh, He's locked up every 24 hours, uh, waiting a possible execution. In other words, his dream came about, but it turned into a nightmare. Uh, now, some of you find yourself in similar situations right now. Uh, you just graduated from college. You Man, you picked out the degree, the perfect degree plan. You graduated, COVID-19 hit, and now all of a sudden the perfect degree plan is nothing but a disaster for you because those jobs are dried up and you have very little opportunity. You go, ah, what is happening to me? Uh, you know, some of you find yourself uh, years ago. Uh, you dated your your childhood sweetheart. Uh, you went to high school. You did it the right thing. You remained pure. You went in the right order, right? Uh, you date. You go to college. You got your degree. We've taught this before. Some of you remember. Uh, you date. You go to college. You get your degree. You get married. You get a job. You get married. Then, right? Then uh, you're intimate with each other, and so you did all that. But now. Uh, This dream girl has turned into the devil, right? Or dream guy, the devil. And man, they just twist it off. You go, whoa, God, where are you, God? I can't believe this is happening, God, blah, 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 blah. Or... You know, there, there's just so many. I know I have some police officers from friends today who sent me some emails and texts this past week. That man, you couldn't wait to become a police officer, right? And now you're going, whoa, whoa, why, 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 why? I mean, so many times this happens in our life. And the Apostle Paul, he finds himself a dream has become a nightmare. Uh, there's so many of you. I could paint so many scenarios. You know exactly what I'm talking about and i want you to hear what the apostle Paul says now i'm going to read this from the nwv version i'll explain that in a second nwv version this is what he says verse 12 chapter 1 philippians uh, now i want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me i'm going to use a word that that really really sucks I mean, it stinks, it's unjust, it's not fair, it's terrible, and it's so bad what's happening to me, I'm never going to go back to church again, I'm not going to hang around God again because it's so wrong. Now, some of you are going, Pastor, does it really say that? I told you that's in the NWV, that's the new whiner's version. <laughs> uh, so some of you baby christians i'm telling you uh, that that particular version of the bible doesn't exist but that's the particular version of the bible that so many of us christians uh kind of get stuck in uh the nwv so let me me read to you what it really says paul's stuck in prison uh possibly even on death row look what he says i want you to know brothers and sisters that what has happened to me Has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, what looks to be bad has turned out to be something good. Verse 13, as a result it has become clear throughout the entire palace guard to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Hey, I, 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 am, I am in Rome. Uh, I wanted to come to be a teacher, but I'm not a teacher. I'm in prison. I'm waiting execution. Uh, I got trumped up charges for trying to speak into these systems that are in the Roman Empire that are totally unjust and unfair, and I myself have these trumped up charges. But... Even though they think I'm in prison because I'm chained to a different leader, a Roman, high Roman uh, a soldier, every eight hours I'm chained to them, they don't understand, they're chained to me. I'm not the one in prison, Paul is saying, they are. Because every eight hours, I get a new Roman soldier I get to share the good news of Jesus with, and they got to li- listen to me preach it eight our message. <laughs> Who do you think's in prison? That's what you call reframing the situation. Worst day ever. Terrible, terrible, terrible. No, God is using this for the good in my life. God has taken what the enemy meant for evil, and he has turned it into good. It's a reframing in your mind of what God is doing. Now, Luke, look, look at this next verse, verse 14. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have been confident in the Lord, and they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Listen, what you see is happening to me as being terrible and awful, it stirred up faith in the family of God all over the place. And they're talking about their love for Jesus. They're talking about their love for God. They're talking about their love for the church. And so really, what everybody sees as a terrible thing, my God is using it for a good thing to advance, to proclaim the gospel without fear. That's reframing it. I can't control about everything that happens to me, but I can't control how I reframe it. Now, I want to give you three very basic tools, reframing tools. Three just very simple, basic tools that I think that if you will apply them to your life, that especially in this season that we're in, in our nation, in our world, uh, that, that it can really be help for you to have a stronger mindset. And here's the first one. I want you to thank God for what didn't happen. First thing we're going to do, we're going to thank God for what didn't happen. Sometimes you just got to step back, look at the bigger picture, reflect a little bit, and realize, man, whew, it could have been a whole lot worse. Sometimes that's just what we got to do. You know, there's this college girl on a Monday. She, she calls her parents. Hey, Mom, Dad, I need to talk to you. I'm going to come home. I'll be there on Friday. Will you be there? Yeah, we will be here. You're good. I just need to talk with you. So uh, uh, the parents, can you imagine all week long? What's she going to say? What's she going to say? What's she going to say? So she comes in. Mom and Dad sit down. I got to tell you something. Hey, Mom and Dad, uh, a few months ago, I went to a bar, had a few drinks. I met a guy. Uh, I'm pregnant. Uh, mom, dad, I, twins. Uh, I know that's hard to swallow, but I do have some good news. The good news is uh, this guy, he's, he's going to get off probation in a year. He's about to be finished with his rehab program, and when that happens, he's going to move in with me, and he's going to find a job, and we've been praying about it, and we really think that this is God's will for our life. And the parents just sit there and go, ah. Uh, You know, just silence, trying to let it soak in. Uh, Mom and Dad, uh, that's not true. The truth of the matter is, I got a D in chemistry. I just want you to have a little perspective that things could be a whole lot worse. It could be, sometimes you just got to imagine in your head, okay, maybe things could be a little bit worse, and just put back up and put things in perspective, right? Okay, yeah, I got furloughed from my job, uh, COVID-19, but at least my job is going to be way Waiting for me. Oh, it's going to be waiting for me when I get back. The worst thing didn't happen. I still have unemployment. going to be okay. Uh, any of you have been gone to the airport? You hadn't in a while, I know, but been to the airport and you get there and you find out that your flight is going to be delayed And you go, you got to be kidding me. This has happened again. I mean, you almost lose your salvation, right, Uh, because uh, the plane is going to be late and you're going to be late and everything like that. You go, you know what? I'm going to tweet out, I'm never going to fly this airline again. They're no good. Sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, But what would it look like if you reframed it? What if you did this? What if you said, you know what? Here, I, I'm going to reframe it. I would rather be down here, right? I'd rather be down here instead of, wi- and hoping I was up here, instead of being up here on that plane wishing I was down there. I'm going to step back. I'm going to reframe it, and I'm going to give thanks to God that what could have happened didn't happen. And church, that is an intentional thing that you have to really try hard to do. It's an intentional stopping, a backing up and thinking about all the possible scenarios and to put your mind in a completely different experience. That's the first thing you got to do. Second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to practice pre-framing. Practice pre-framing. I'm going to select the event, I'm going to select the framework in my mind before the event happens. Um, my thoughts and my filters control what I experience. What goes into my mind comes out of my life. So before I'm going to ex- I go do something, I'm going to preframe it. Some of you, you're going to an event. It's an event you don't like. Uh, it's people you don't like. It's, you never like those sort of things. You're saying, you know what? I, I hate those things. Those people, they're like this. They're like that. I, those, those are the most boring situations. You know, what, what are you doing here? Uh, you are setting yourself up. You are preframing your brain and your mind to a default cognitive bias. And you're setting yourself up to have an experience you don't have to have. How do I know that? Because I have done this many times. I have failed. I have flunked this many, many times. Just ask my wife. She can tell you how many times I have failed this. But what would happen if you stop, push the pause button, and reframe it? And you say, you know, I really don't want to go to that thing. I don't like those kind of events. Uh, but my family's going to be there. Uh, my spouse is going to be there. My kids are going to be there. And uh, I'm going to make the most of it. Uh, I'm going to have a good time. Now, those people are weird. (laughs) They're still weird. uh, But you know what? I'm going to try to go there and meet some of those people and try to share the love and grace of Jesus. Just be present with them the best way I can. And I am going to work to enjoy that experience the facts are the same, it's the reframing, it's the filter of the brain that is completely and totally different. Uh, I've told this to you many times before that one of the reasons that I have this this thing of, man, never measuring up in standard. That I had this coach, and I had this pastor uh, young in my life. He said, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to measure up. here." blah, 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 blah. And man, those thoughts got stuck in my brain. Uh, and I've also shared with you my freshman year of college, some of you high school graduates, is that um, I didn't go to class. I had three jobs. I worked real hard at my jobs. I never missed job, but I missed class a lot because I didn't think I needed school to really learn. I could just do it all, all on the fly. But by other than that, I wanted to get good at golf, and I got pretty good at golf. And, and I played in this tournament, kind of this, this tournament there at the club uh, of the of the uh, not the club, but the munis- mun- municipal course. And uh, it was kind of a tournament sort of thing, and they paired you off match play. And I not I got. My hat drawn out of the hat to to play against one of the club pros, one of the club coaches. And believe it or not, this guy was really good. He taught golf and everything like that. I just kind of taught myself and kind of got, but man, lo and behold, uh, in my first round against him, who's, I wasn't even his class. He's ranked, I'm unranked, all that sort of thing. Uh, With about five holes left, I'm five five holes up. All I have to do is win one hole of five holes. Now, what do you think happened? I lost I lost every stinking hole, and then he whipped me. I mean, I whiffed it on the final hole. What happened? The pressure got to me. Oh, you're no good. You never make it. Blah, of blah, blah, And people were watching. And so while I'm fading, as we're going down each hole, bad shot, bad shot, bad shot, some of my buddies going, you're a choker, Owen. You can't do this. I always knew that about you. You choker, blah, 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 all these guys. And so when the match was over, the coach that I play who just beat me, he said, hey, don't you buy into that label, Rick. Don't you buy into it. Don't you let that get into your head. He said, you now have been in a high-pressure golf situation, and you need to tell yourself the next time you're playing in a high-pressure, you know what doesn't work, and what doesn't work is playing to lose. What doesn't work is being all worries and all lengths and being cautious. What works is going for it, trusting yourself, following through and giving everything. Rick From the next time you find yourself in a pressure situation, I want you to say this. I perform well under pressure. I want you to tell yourself, I perform well. In other words, pre-frame it before the event. Church, to this day, that was a powerful experience for me. I do that. Anytime I find myself about to step into a situation where extreme leadership is needed or a spiritual situation is dark and complicated, I say, I have the power of Christ dwelling in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have power, the ability to perform well under pressure. I can do that. I will do that. And man, to this day, I will tell you, to this day, if, you're, there's, a, if there's a game, some sort of competitive thing, it comes down in the end, uh, I want the ball at the end of the game. I want to have the last decision, the last opportunity, because I tell myself I perform well when the chips are down. And I preframe that in my mind over time. Now I'm saying to you, some of you, uh, this is what you tell yourself when it gets pressure. You say, I'm a choker, you say, I'm a loser. You say, I never perform well under pressure. I when things get hard and things get difficult. I can't speak to people. Oh, I can never talk to somebody else. I can never invite that girl out for a date. No, I have the power of Christ uh, in me. I do well. Young men, I, I do have the ability to speak to women. I have the power of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can ask her out on a date. I can get on my knee and ask her to marry me. And to the glory of God, we'll get married. Have a wonderful, exciting life. Now, I know that's a little bit of an extreme thing. I'm just saying, you you got to preframe it in your head before the event. It's, it's a discipline, it's, it's a practice, okay? You got to step back before you go into it and preframe and speak God's truth about you into your life before you step into the experience to have a stronger mindset. And here's the last thing, third thing, very practical tool. I'm going to train myself to look for God's goodness in any and every situation. Let me repeat that. I'm going to train myself to look for God's goodness in any and every situation. Now, here's what I know is a fact. You will find what you look for. If you're one of these people that's always looking in life for what is bad, for what is problematic, for what is dark, if you want to be a complainer, if you want to be negative, if you want to be a whiner, you will find what you look for. You can be like the rest of the world, the glass is half empty, Oh, everything is bad, oh, everything is so dark, everything is so bad, and that's what you'll experience. Or you can look for the goodness of God. You can look for the best that is in people. And if you look for the best of God in people, you will have eyes to see and ears to hear God working in people's lives you got to make a choice do you want to be a buzzard or do you want to be a hummingbird which one do you want to be you set loose a buzzard and a hummingbird in the same neighborhood what's the buzzard gonna do The buzzard is going to fly looking over this neighborhood looking for death, looking for carcasses, because that's what it's looking for. What's the hummingbird going to do? The hummingbird is going to go right past the dead things. It's going to look right past the carcasses, and it's going to look for what's alive. It's going to look for the live thing. Let me ask you, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the dead thing or are you looking for the life thing? Are you going to be a buzzard or are you going to be a hummingbird? Are you going to look for the goodness of God and the presence of God in any and every situation? Are you going to look for, oh, no, oh, you're going to look for death. Church, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. And it's a mindset you choose through which filter, through which frame you are intentionally going to view your life. Now, some of you uh, in this church, you know my mom and dad. Uh, my mom and dad this summer, we've married 67 years. This is a picture of my mom and dad. Uh, my mom and dad are my heroes. Uh, they have been an example to me of what marriage is like and life is like for me and my three sisters. And they've been an inspiration to many of you. Well, this past week, uh, my mother... Who spends a lot of her time taking care of my dad my dad in fact he's 90 years of age this past week he said i'm spoiled uh your mother spoiled me there's stuff i don't know how to do your mom just spoiled me and she has dad and you know it Um, but last week my mom late at night trying to take care of stuff around the house at 82 83 years of age uh, she was outside and she fell didn't have her phone she just fell She couldn't get up, broke her hip, couldn't move. 8.30, 8.45 at night, my dad's in the house, not aware of what's going on. Worst day ever. My mom just laying there helpless, can't do anything. She's crying out, somebody help me, somebody please help me. Couple, way out, walking on the street, far away from where mom is. They think they hear something. They stop. They come over. Go get her phone. She calls 911. She calls me. The couple just kind of steps back. My mother's rushed to the hospital. Fractured hip, left hip. Guess what they find while she's there? Not just the hip, they replace it. They find that her heart uh, has been doing some crazy stuff. they got a plan to take care of it. My mom's going to heal. My mom's going to live, wow, a long time and be walking and doing all these sort of things here at the church and feeding people and everything like that. So what kind of filter are you looking through? I'm saying it was the best day ever because my mom was laying there and just laying there just just desperate looking for help she had no, she was stranded laying out in the backyard with no help and all of a sudden these people came walking by god at the perfect timing and rendered aid. And instead of seeing, instead of seeing worst day ever, oh my gosh, my mom's out here. She's helpless. She can't do anything. Her hip is broken. How's she going to take care of my dad? No, best day ever because there were some people there who cared. They came by and stopped and rendered aid. And she got the care. That her, yes, she's got a broken hip. She's got recovery and everything like that. But they found out that she had heart problems. And now they're taking care of her heart. Instead of her waking up with morning, their heart not working, now we can know and deal with it. Worst day ever or best day ever. Looking for the worst and the sadness and the darkness or looking for the goodness of God at working in any and every situation. Yesterday, you know what my mom said when she got home? She said, I will walk again. I will walk again I will live my life like I did again mindset she's choosing the filter the frame she's looking for the goodness of God what about you what do we do something bad happens what do we do Uh, we thank God the very worst didn't happen right Uh, we pre-frame it as much as we can we pre-frame it and we look for the goodness of God in any and every situation I'm just not letting life happen to me. I'm just not interpreting. I am intentionally interpreting life through the goodness of God. I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit back and say that God is bad because life is hard. That's what some of you are doing. You got this filter that all people are bad and all people are evil and all police are bad and all black people are this, blah, blah, blah. That is just a life from the pit of hell. Look at it through the goodness and the lens of God, through the filter of God's plan and God's word. And you can be like the Apostle Paul. Man, my worst situation, my dream is turned into a nightmare. But I'm changing the filter that though I'm in prison, really I'm free. And all things work for the good for those who love the Lord. Church, there are some of you who are experiencing God through a negative filter, and you have a negative view of God. But here's the facts. God loves you. God's never going to leave you or forsake you. All things work for the good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. you got to change your stinking thinking. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning, you just right there in your home, where you just raise your hand and you would admit, you know what, I need to change some things filters through which I view people the way I view situations I got some stinking thinking, I got some new frames I got some cataracts I need to get rid of in my life so I can see the goodness of God and work in all situations. You just gotta raise your hand right there we would say it. God I just I pray for anyone who'd raised their hand in their home or commented right there that their filters have cataracts, their mind has cataracts that prevents them from seeing people and seeing life through your lens, God, through the possibilities of what you want to do in any and every situation. I pray, God, you'd set us free. Strengthen our minds to have the mind of Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, just in case you don't know, Uh, Jesus was the perfect, sinless Son of God. Uh, He was perfect in every way. He did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Uh, He was gentle. He was kind. He was loving. He was firm when there needed to be firm. And the people He came to love, the people He came to protect, the people He came to to take care of, they strung Him up on a cross and they killed Him. Worst day ever! Right? Worst day ever! Or third day God raised him from the dead the tomb was empty why so that anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus might be saved their mind might be rid of thinking thinking their heart may be clear that in the name of Jesus they can experience new life church if you're in a bad spot if it's your worst day ever your worst day ever can become your best day ever when you learn how to look at it through the eyes the grace the love the mercy the goodness and the kindness of Jesus and if this morning today you're ready to take that step just pray with me right there where you are God I need your love just repeat it to me God I need your grace God I need your forgiveness God I want to have the mind of Christ I want to see people the way you see them I want to see life the way you see life God I want to be a part of the solution, God, not a part of the problem. Use me, God. I give my life to you for your purpose, God, whatever they may be. Today, I put all of my hope in Jesus. He is my rock. He is my shield. He is my salvation. And all God's people said, amen. baptized. You're ready to take your next step in faith with Christ. I mean, just make a little comment right down there on the bottom of the screen. Somebody connect with you or call the church office. Email me. Uh, We want to help you take your next step. Uh, Not just your stinking thinking, but your heart and just kind of because we're going to be back in the church here, you know, in the next few weeks. We see it coming and we want you to take that next step. Pathfinders is next weekend. So, have a great week and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Bye.